This is actually the last one we're going to do in Revelation for this year. We'll kick back in next year. Uh, next week, week we're going to start looking at a bit of the Christmas uh, theme as we head into that. So um, uh, Revelation 6 and 7. And Betty's going to come up and she's going to read for us just chapter 6 to start with. So thanks, Betty. The seals. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was falling close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair, and the whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as light figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich the mighty and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Thanks, Betty. It was a long one, and there's another chapter to go yet, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, some of you know that I play touch football, and uh, we have a team called Hayes Builders, 
And at the start of every year, we have a full team. We have uh, three blokes reserves and three girls reserves. And we make sure that we've got that every year because we know by the end of the season that won't be the case. Uh, what happens with our touch football team is because some of us are a little bit older, some older than others, and some getting older, we know that as time goes on, that there's going to be something that happens to our team. Uh, there'll be someone who ends up doing a knee. There'll be someone who ends up doing an ankle. There'll be someone who goes off and gets pregnant. There'll be someone who has a baby. There'll be something that goes on like that. And what happens every year in our touch football team, by the time we eventually get to the finals, it's almost like the last man standing. The one who's held on and stood to the end is there for the final game. Uh, well, that's almost the picture of Revelation chapter 6 and 7 for us today. It's like who can stand? Right at the end of chapter 6, you'll see that call. It says in verse 17, For the great day of the wrath has come, and who can stand? Who can stand in this world, in this day, with all that's going on? Now remember, Revelation's written to a group of people in the first century, to that area that we saw last uh, time around Asia Minor. There's uh, Philadelphia and Ephesus and Laodicea and Smyrna. And so it's writing to generally a, a group of churches in that time. It then gets spread further than that. Uh, but it's writing to a group of people who would understand that the world that's going on around them looks like it's coming to an end, looks like things are in really big trouble because stuff is going on they couldn't believe. In AD 60, there was a huge earthquake, one of the biggest earthquakes that the world has ever seen, that destroyed huge amounts of land, and they would have known about that. In AD 64, Nero basically almost burnt down the whole of Rome, uh, set fire, and it all destroyed just about everything. In AD 70, uh, the whole temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and ransacked and destroyed to the ground. In AD 74, Vesuvius blew and Vesuvius was probably the biggest volcano that ever hit anywhere at any time. It blew and covered the sky, and people were killed, it was destroyed. And John writes just after that. And then what's happening just after that is not only is the world going crazy, but the Christians are getting persecuted. They're starting to be killed, they're starting to be wiped out all over the place. It's getting really tough for the Christians this time. And so John comes in with a vision that he has and the first one we see is he opens up the seals and he's telling them how can we stand when the world looks like it's going to be destroyed and when Jesus is going to return as well. Uh, that's what we're going to see in chapter 6. So let's open up to chapter 6 and have a look with us and see how it comes together uh, because it's really important as we see the background to it we understand why, John, why Jesus revealed this vision to John at this time. And we'll see their very first, uh, remember in chapter 4 and 5 last week, uh, there was the seal, um, there was the scroll uh, written on the back and the front with seven seals around it. No one can open it except Jesus. So now we actually see that Jesus starts to unravel it. He takes one seal at a time to unravel that and show us what's in it on the scroll. Uh, and then in the rest of Revelation, we actually see that there's a whole series of sevens that we're about to see. Uh, not till next year now. But we'll see seven seals, we'll see the seven bowls, and we'll see the seven wrath of God. And uh, I actually think some people try to say, oh, there's a theory out there that this is actually seven different periods of time, and we can actually see how that all fits together. But I want to suggest to you that actually this is like seven, each set of seven is like an overlapping period, 
and that we're actually in that period now. So if uh, Mick goes with the next clip, and then one more. So in a sense, the seven seals that we're about to see is one period time we'll see it, then the next one comes up, the seven bowls. That's the next one, and then the next one comes up, the seven uh, wrath of God. It's like this whole seven, but they're like seeing them in line, but in different hues, different colours throughout history. Uh, and I, the reason I say that is because at the end of each of those sevens, if you go through and have a look, at the end of each of them, there is exactly the same statement. There'll be earthquake, earthquakes, there'll be destruction, there'll be, and that's the end. There'll be earthquakes, there'll be destruction, and that is the end. There'll be earthquakes, there'll be destruction. It's like this is the same period of time, just shown in a different way. And so what we're going to see is that what we're talking about, the period of time that John's speaking to is called the end times. The people back in John's time are in it, and we're in it. We're in the end times. They were in it, people before us were in it, we're in it. And if you look back over history, you'll see that what has happened through history, it's been very similar. Uh, and so have a look at what, what he says in the first seal. He opens up the first four seals and the first four seals are four different horses. And the background of this, if you want to read it, is Zechariah. Because in Zechariah we see that uh, the four horsemen come from the four corners of the earth and they come in and they're going to bring about destruction. Uh, and here we see the same thing. And so we've got the four horsemen again coming from different parts. Again, this is going to be a worldwide phenomenon. This is going to be hitting the world. The things that they're talking about here are going to be all over the world, not just in one place, all over the world. And so the first one is the first horse, and we see here he's the white horse in verse 2. And we'll see he doesn't actually have a sword, that's wrong up there. He has a bow, and uh, he's given a crown, and he rides in on conquest. He is going to bring conquest. There's going to be conquests around the world. Someone's going to try and take over. Different people are going to try and take over. There's going to be conquests. We see that, don't we, often. Uh, then the second one comes along and he's a fiery red one uh, and he comes in and he's uh, been given power to take peace from the earth. He's given a large sword. He's going to bring war and bloodshed. He's going to come to the world. And then the third one uh, is there. He's another colour again, which I'll try and read. He's the black one and he comes in and he brings famine. The weighing of the scales is a sense that things aren't right. And then you can see he says... There's a quart of wheat for a day's wage and three quarts of barley for a day's wage. That's saying it's really expensive for food because there's going to be famine. There's going to be famine in, around the world. And then the final one says, the fourth one comes in and he's the horse of death. Uh, the fourth living creature say, come, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Actually, the picture is greenish grey. It's a corpse is what he looks like. And so this is death that brings about. And so in a sense what he's saying is we see here this is going to happen throughout the world, throughout time. We're going to see that there's going to be people who want to take over the world. There's going to be people who are going to bring war upon the world. There's going to be bloodshed. There's going to be death. There's going to be famine around the world at different times and there's going to be death around the world. We don't have to look far to work that out, do we? We can see it in our own period, can't we? Go back a few years and we see wars, don't we? We see World War II, the worst war that you could possibly ever imagine. We thought it was the war to end all wars. No. There's more than 100 wars raging in the world today. War hasn't finished. Uh, we saw the Vietnam War. We go on further past that. We see destruction, don't we? We see the two towers, 9-11. We couldn't possibly imagine that could happen. Then we see the tsunami in 2004 wipes out 230,000 people in one go. Bang. 
And we see today Afghanistan, Iraq, wars happening around us, the Middle East, wars happening around us. Now that's just not our period. Go back 100 years and you'll see the same. Go back 200 years and you'll see the same. Go back 1,000 years and you'll see the same. Go back to John's period and you see the same, don't you? That's what's happening in the world. That's what's happening between the time that Jesus died and rose again until we're about to see when Jesus returns, the sixth seal. That's what happens around us. And we look at that, don't we? And as Jane said, we often pray about the fact that the world looks like in chaos, but notice that the one who's in control of this is Jesus. He sends out the horses. He's actually in control of what's happening around here. He's actually bringing a sense this about and allowing this to happen because he wants to see at the end people come to know him and love him. So what happens in the fifth series? You see, this is the world. So he's talking about he's gone, he's gone for the big picture. The world looks like it's in trouble. Now he narrows it down a little bit more down to Christians specifically in verses 9. He says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that it maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, O Lord? How long? I've jumped a bit, haven't I? Um, can I jump back one for you? Because I think it's really important to see how this actually fits with what Jesus said. Uh, have a look at Matthew chapter 24. Uh, some people say that uh, Revelation 5 and 6, uh, 6 and 7, is like the, the zip on one side and Matthew 24 is like the zip on the other side. And when you put the two together, you see how it fits. Uh, and we need to know that this isn't just John's uh, vision. He's actually having it revealed to him by Jesus. And Jesus says a very similar thing. So if you jump back to Matthew chapter 24, what's well, on the screen if you like, and now listen to what he says in verse 4. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Sounds exactly the same, doesn't it? And then what he says, look at this, and this is really important because it will make sense when we get to first seals 5 and 6. Uh, then he says in verse 9, Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all the nations because of me. We're about to find that out. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. Don't forget that. It's a really important verse that we need to understand when we get to this a little bit later. And so see how he said? Jesus says what happens in verse, the first few verses up to verse 8 is going to happen. It's going to happen from the time that he, he, he comes back to life until he comes back again. It's going to happen. And then he says that it's going to be tough for Christians. And that's what it says in verse 9 too, doesn't it? When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord? How long? It's almost like kids in the back of the car, isn't it? How long do we get there? How long do we get there? And they've just gone round the corner. And in a sense, these guys have just gone round the corner too. This is only a few years after Jesus has died and risen again and they're saying, how long will this person go on, persecution go on? How long will it be tough for us who follow Jesus? And Jesus says it's going to be tough until I return. 
How long, O Lord? And they knew it really well. I know we've heard of Polycarp. He was uh, one of the Christian leaders in Smyrna, one of the churches we heard about earlier. He's one of the earliest uh, martyrs that we know of, that we've actually got record of. And as he was a leader of the Christians, uh, the Romans came in and they took him and they took him away and they challenged him. Uh, They said, worship Caesar or die. Put your life now. Get rid of this Jesus. Worship Jesus or you will die. Uh, Let me tell you what he said. I can find it here. He says this, 86 years I have served him and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? That's a great call, isn't it? He's got a sword at his throat. Blaspheme Jesus or die. And he says, 86 years I have served him and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? It's a great statement, isn't it? And he lost his head or he was martyred. He was killed. These guys knew this really well. Polycarp would have read this letter. He would have been read to his church. He would have known this letter. He would have known what John was saying. He would have known what was going on and he would have been crying out, crying out to God, How long, O Lord? How long? Well, the sixth seal is opened and we find out how long. Uh, Verse 12 uh, look, he, he watched and as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. Uh, the whole moon is gone. The whole stars were gone. Uh, it's the picture of Vesuvius, isn't it? It's a picture of what happened when Vesuvius blew. It blotted out the known world skies. We haven't seen anything like that. We've had a yod volcano go off, haven't we? We haven't seen anything like that. It's a huge thing that goes on. It's a mighty, powerful thing that's going to happen. It's going to blot out everything. It's going to be mighty powerful. I don't know whether you've ever stood in front of a volcano. Have you ever been in front of a volcano? We have. Let me show you a picture. Uh, If you can see it. Uh, We were standing here and the edge was there. That's on Tanner uh, in Vanuatu. And when you stand at the edge of the crater looking at that volcano, you feel the rumbling of the ground. You feel the power that is going on underneath the earth. And while we were there, it used to spit out the odd rock here and there. We actually walked down from uh, the top and we were eating something at the bottom just in front of the car, the family and I. There were people still at the top and next minute there was this huge explosion. And they happen every now and then. They're just amazing. We've got a picture of Lachlan. I couldn't find it standing and with the lava going up behind him. It's pretty spectacular. But there was this huge explosion and we all turned and as we turned we saw this great big lava rock thrown up into the air. It went over the top of the people that are standing at the top and landed in between them and us. Poof! It went. We all just stood there and went. People up the top. They went running. They bolted down from the top. They weren't going to stand up there anymore. And that was one rock. Vesuvius blew the top of the mountain off, covered the known world. It's power that he's talking about here. It's going to be an amazing thing that's going to happen uh, with this sixth seal. There's going to be something phenomenally powerful beyond compare, beyond any volcano that you've ever seen. And it's going to be devastating. 
Look at what happens. The sky is shaking, strong winds, things are going off all over the place. This is an amazing thing that's going to hit this world. Then in verse 15, Then the kings of the earth, the princes and the generals and the rich, the mighty, every slave and every free man hid in the caves among the rocks and the mountains. They called the mountains the rocks. They said, fall on us. They would rather die than face what they're about to face. And what are they about to face? Fall on us and hide from us the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? This is judgment day, guys. This is a day when everyone will stand before the Lamb and have to give an account. It will be a day that no matter how big, no matter how small, will stand before Jesus. This is the day of his return. This is judgment day. This is a sobering day, isn't it? Uh, often when I talk to people and you talk to them about Jesus and those things and you, you chat about them at the end of it, uh, often the conversation for me will say, well, we'll find out one day. You're going to find out one day. And it's a very, very scary day. That's why it says at the end of chapter 6, who can stand? Who is going to be able to stand on that day? Who will be able to say, this is where I want to be, this is the place, this is where I'm going to go on for a team? Who is going to actually going to get through this final day? It's the same question Jesus asks, isn't it? Jesus says, who can stand? He says, the people who stand are the people who stand with me. That is it. That's scary, isn't it? Comforting, but scary, but true. And when is that day? What did Jesus say? Jesus says, that day is when every person in every land will throw all the nations that the good news of Jesus has been preached. Do you know when Jesus is going to return? It's when every nation, every place has heard about Jesus and all that are Jesus will be his. Ephesians chapter 13 says that God is destined. He has sorted out. He knows who he is. He knows the beginning from the end. All that are his. When all that are his are his, when the gospel is preached to every nation, to every person, then that is the day that Jesus returns. Do you notice it's not about signs? It's not about working it out. Jesus says when it's going to happen. We don't have to try and work it out. And do you know what that means for you and I? That we need to tell people about Jesus. You see, because that's the only answer. That's the only way anyone's going to stand. We're about to see that. The only one anyone can stand is when they stand with Jesus. And when everyone who knows and trusts in Jesus, who is going to know and trust Jesus, is Jesus, then he's going to return. Then he's going to come. And we don't know when that is. That's why he says it's like a thief in the light. That's why he says he won't be able to work out the times and dates. Not even I, in a sense, know that. Only the Father knows it. He only knows the ones who are his and when they're going to be his and that's when he's going to come back. That's what Jesus tells us. And that's why this passage says to us, you need to make sure you stand with him. Because that's what chapter 7 is. Who will stand? It's the people in chapter 7. 
Let's have a look at it together. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea or any tree. You notice what happens here. We have a break. Uh, keep this in mind. If you keep reading Revelation, uh, we get the seven things. We get six, then we get a break. We get six, and then we get a break. And the breaks are important because the breaks tell us how we're going to stand within all of it. Okay? Notice that there's always patterns throughout Revelation, and the patterns are there for reasons. Uh, and so here we see this pattern. Six, seven, how do we stand? Verse two, then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the sea of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Don't harm them, he said. The land and the sea are the trees where we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. What is the seal? Who knows what Ephesians 1 says? Verse 13 to 16, 17. I know it's a challenge, isn't it? I've looked it up. I've been looking at it all week, haven't I? Uh, yeah, Holy Spirit, that's exactly right, Michael. It says the Holy Spirit. You see, the seal of God is not a number. The seal of God is not an imprint. The seal of God is the Holy Spirit on our hearts. It's a guarantee that we are His. So Ephesians tells us that, and that's what it is here. The people that have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that know Jesus, that trust in Him, that have the Holy Spirit within us, are the people that are sealed by God. They are His. They are His people. And who are His people? Then I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel, from the tribe of Judah, I won't read all of them, there's 12,000 from 12 tribes. Go to verse 9. After I looked uh, at this, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down their faces before the throne and they worshipped God. It's a picture of chapter 4 and 5, isn't it? All over again. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. It's a picture of 4 and 5, but now it's the people of God who are praising him. Not just the whole world, not the angels, not the people. There. It's the people of God, his family. And then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, they are they who have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. The Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and a God will wipe away every tear in their eyes. What is that? That is heaven. That is Revelation 21 and 22. That's what he's saying here. Who will stand? The 144,000. Who will stand? All the nations of God. Who are the 144,000? Well, I think they're exactly the same people as they are in the next, in verse 9. They are the people of God. Uh, the JWs have made this confusing for us, haven't they? They said it's 144,000. They're the only people in heaven. Everyone else is just going to make up the rest. But the 144,000 are a picture of the perfect people of God, aren't they? 12 by 12 by 12 by 12 by 12. It's a perfect of God's perfect grouping of people. So in a sense, it's like one picture. We're getting one scene. We've got the camera. It's gone, shunk, 144,000. This is a symbolic picture of God's people. And it's gone, shunk, next one. Verse 9, it says, who is these people? They're the same people, but this is them all together. This is the big picture of them. Symbolic, 144,000. 
Here they all are. Every person for every tongue, nation and language who what? Have washed their clothes in the blood of the Lamb. Those that have put their trust in Jesus. Uh, in my touch football team, we all, have, we all wear a uniform. It's uh, blue and red and it's called Hayes Builders on the back. There's a pump for Rob Hayes. There you go. Uh, but you know us. We have that Guernsey. And I only give the Guernsey to the people that are on our team. No other one can have it. If anyone walked around with that Guernsey, I'd take it off them because they're not on our team. How do you have Jesus' Guernsey? How do you have, be part of his team? You put your trust in him. You see that his blood shed on the cross for you and I. He died so that we could live forever. He takes our sin. He takes what can separate us from God and he loads it onto himself so that we don't have to be separated from God anymore. And what do we do? We praise him. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? How can we stand in this world that looks like it's going chaotic? How can we stand in this world as Christians when it looks like we're going to be persecuted all through the time? How can we stand when Jesus returns on the day of judgment and everyone has to face him? We stand with Jesus Guernsey on, trusting in him, in his life, death and resurrection. That's how we stand. Now, don't keep that to yourselves, guys. This is the answer to the world. This is the answer to Gaza, to Israel. This is the answer to the world economic situation. This is the answer to our community here in Evans Head. This is the answer for everybody you meet, even though they don't know that, is that they can wear the Guernsey of Jesus if they put their trust in him. Don't let them miss out. Tell them. Tell them. Because you know that when you tell them, then that's another step closer to when Jesus returns and when we will be with him face to face for eternity. John Chapman, I don't know whether you know John Chapman. Uh, He's an Anglican guy in Sydney uh, and he's had an amazing impact on people throughout the world. He's a great speaker. Uh, I can remember... Uh, being in his lectures many times, and he'd often say to me, he says, uh, when he's giving lectures, he said, uh, those that are asleep, put your hands up. Those that think that they should be asleep, put your hands up. Those that are excited, put your hand up. Uh, he'd have fun all the time, but he was really passionate about telling people about Jesus. He died last week. Yeah, yeah, very sad. He's gone to be in glory, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, but I remember John Chapman telling me that he used to walk around a park in Sydney, in the middle of Sydney, and there was a guy that he used to come across every lunchtime because he used to work in the centre of Sydney. Uh, he'd come across this guy and he'd meet up with him and this guy used to spend his lunchtimes walking throughout this park in Sydney and just telling people about Jesus. Uh, and he, and he, John sat down with him one day and he said to him, he says, why do you go around and tell people about Jesus? He says, well, firstly, that I want them to know about Jesus because he's the answer so they can stand. But second, he says, I never know when the next person I tell about Jesus is the last person to know about Jesus and Jesus is going to return. Don't hold it to yourselves, guys. Don't hold it to yourselves. This is an amazing picture, isn't it? Only those that have been washed by the Lamb will stand. 
And what happens with the seventh seal? Notice what happens. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence. Now, you don't hear about silence very often in the Bible. It's a very rare occurrence. Why? Because this is huge. People need to take this in. The seventh seal, there is silence. And if you word from three down, there's prayer. Silence and prayer are two great responses to what we've just heard. So let's do that. Let's be silent and let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, the picture in uh, Revelation 6 and 7 is an awesome picture in every sense of that word. Not just amazing, not just mind-blowing, but awesome in power. Heavenly Father, we pray and want to thank you that we can stand with you for eternity when we put our trust in Jesus. Well, that's a sobering thought. It's a comforting thought. And it's a challenging thought. We pray, Lord, that your spirit may do a work on our hearts this morning to get a sense of what we've just read and what we've just heard. And that, Lord, we may live our lives in response to that. Help us with that, Lord, because we can't do it ourselves. We pray that your spirit will do a mighty work in us today, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.